Perino along with Kimberly Guilfoyle, Juan Williams, Congressman Jason Chaffetz, and Greg Gutfeld. It's 5 o'clock in New York City, and this is The Five. President Trump firing up another big crowd today, this time at the annual NRA convention in Dallas. We are all finally putting America first. We are seeing the incredible results as a result of our massive tax cuts, and everybody is benefiting and everybody is happy. And the Democrats are very concerned. You watch how well we do in 18. You watch. You watch. Get out and vote. Don't be complacent. Kanye West must have some power, because you probably saw I doubled my African-American poll numbers. We went from 11 to 22 in one week. Thank you, Kanye. Thank you. You just saw the recent poll. It came out the Rasmussen, 51 or 52. It's the highest level I've ever been at. How does that happen when you only get bad publicity? How does that happen? Democratic lawmakers have voted against legislation to close deadly immigration loopholes, like catch and release. How about that one? We caught them. Oh, release them. Bye-bye. We're going to keep the violent criminals out. Senate Democrats like John Tester. You saw what happened there. What he did to one of the finest people in our country. What he did to the admiral. What he did is a disgrace. He went on to expound on the subject of gun rights in a speech before thousands of Second Amendment supporters and thank them for their patriotism. Watch this. The true American patriots of the NRA who defend our rights, our liberty, and our great American flag. You have never stopped fighting for our beloved Constitution. They said, you know, going to the NRA convention and speaking today, that'll be very controversial. It might not be popular. You know what I said? Bye-bye, got to get on the plane. Because we have to do the right thing. All right, we'll take it around the table. Greg, he was having some fun today. Yeah, I always use the metaphor of he's like a classic rock band who does hits in front of a loving crowd, you know, like the, the wall is his stairway to heaven. But he introduced some t new hits. The Kanye is a new song. And the best part, without question, is the John Kerry material that he introduced, <laughs> which was stellar comedy roast. And when he talked about, you know, when you're 73, you shouldn't be riding a bike and about how he fell off the bike. It was just perfect stuff. And I always find it, I, I mean, this, this to him is entertainment for himself and entertainment for others. And it's an, what, I guess it's an antidote to the news because when you're listening to the news, all you're getting is the bad news. You're getting the stormy stuff and the collusion accusations. But when, you, when he gets up there, what he does is he talks about the job numbers. He talks about North Korea. He talks about the good news, which is the antidote to the bad news. So it's kind of healthy for him and it's healthy for his supporters and it's actually healthy for people watching at home to see the other side. Well, and if you're watching Fox, I don't know if the other networks took it live, but we did. And so it's in some ways, I mean, the, the bully pulpit really is very powerful. If you're going to give a speech in front of a big crowd and you get a chance to watch it, it means a lot more than watching 
uh, any sort of newscast. Yeah, absolutely. It's perfectly produced, and I think a good plug for your book, and the good mm. news is, right? Mm. So he's leading with what the good news is. He's changing the dialogue and the narrative because the media won't give it to him, so he's going to take it and take charge. So he's very good when he's at these campaign rally speeches or in front of a group that's a receptive audience that kind of, you know, they're picking up what he's dropping. So it's perfect. Um, he really feels at home in a situation like that as well. I, I actually watched it in a room that had MSNBC and CNN on it, and there were a couple of interesting things. First of all, it's the president's only time with unfettered access to actually communicate his message. Mm -hmm. But I was fascinated because there were cutaways. There were times when the audience was applauding, and the audience, would, you know, Donald Trump had stopped speaking for 15, 20 seconds because there's so much applause. Fox News went to cutaways of the audience to show what was actually happening yeah. in the room. CNN and MSNBC, no cutaways. There's no way they were going to show that audience. But let's remember, going into 2018, it's about getting the base enthused. And that's the problem. He spent a whole section of his speech talking about the enthusiasm level. And you better, if you like your Second that's Amendment actually, rights, you, that, better, it, you better get it's up. It's a good point about the midterms, yep. Juan, going into them, that it's never necessarily easy for a president in their first midterm. They usually lose seats. And even even though his approval with Republicans is high, probably highest that it's been, maybe like I think it's 88%, 90%. Um, that doesn't always translate into enthusiasm and getting out to vote. And do you think that was part of his ploy today? Well, it's clear if you watch the speech, that's clearly what he was saying. Don't be complacent. I think we just played that clip, Dana. But so what was interesting to me is if you consider the midterms, you look at the poll numbers, poll numbers have turned in favor of gun control very strongly. Mm -hmm. And after Parkland, remember, the president was in the White House. I think we carried it here on Fox, having a meeting and saying, you know what, I think we need stronger gun control. You guys, he says to the others, in the, you guys are afraid of the NRA. I'm not afraid of the NRA. And, of course, then about five days later, he flip-flops. But nonetheless, he is trying to make the case that he is the man who the NRA poured $30 million into during his campaign and that he is still the NRA's friend. I think after he got elected, he said, you know, you are with me and I will always be with right. you. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised, Greg, they didn't talk a little bit more about that? Like, he did, he said he was willing to go to, to challenge the NRA. But I think one of the things that the president does is he says, well, that makes sense. And then a couple of days later, he's like, oh, wait, now I understand why, for example, Army school teachers might not be something you can do nationally, that that will have to be decided on a case-by-case -case basis on the, in the district. I think that the, the, the blessing and the challenge of Donald Trump is he's like the first conversational president we've ever had. So he'll just talk about anything. And if something, if A happens, he'll talk about A. And he goes, you know what, that upsets me what just happened. And then if B happens, he'll go, well, wait a second. I mean, he, made, he went on a long tear on how if one person has a gun, lives would be saved in areas where there were no guns. And it's, you know, there's a CDC study, Center for Disease Control study, that was not published, that supports the claims of two million plus uh, defensive gun uses. And this is, an, this is an important thing, my thing fell out, to talk about. So he did it, but I always get the sense that the speech is essentially the same, and then he tweaks it depending on the, uh, it's for the NRA, so he drops like 10 minutes of that in the NRA. But that was, a, I think there was a stock positive speech about deeds. Overall, it was about deeds in the face of what you get from the media, which are words. Well, you know, I think the, the whole gun movement, the NRA right now, is on the defensive. Gun sales down. Uh, Smith and Weston uh, are the ones who I think are saying, you know what, uh, you know, they also outdoor brands. There's the outdoor brands make Smith and Weston's. Their stocks Weston. are down. Remington's in bankruptcy. I think there are a lot. There's a sense that 
you have a Republican in office, so it's not driving the, the gun buyers to the gun stores, which is what, you know, they said Obama's going to take your gun. Well, now nobody thinks you that. You should be happy then because right. that means no. we've saturated the market. Everybody no, but has their I, guns. But what strikes me is They're that so going. many people, including teachers who are clearly opposed to carrying guns into school, are including suburbanites, are saying, you know, in the, in the aftermath of Parkland, maybe something should change. And then that brought up what I think was the controversial issue regarding the president's speech today and also uh, Vice President Pence, which is the Secret Service said no guns in here. And so you get people, even NRA supporters who are attending the convention saying, wait a minute, they don't trust the good guys with the guns? How can that be? Well, you can see why so many Americans would say, of course not. You shouldn't have a gun around the president. You shouldn't have guns around there my There were school. plenty of people oh, yeah. in the room with guns. <laughs> yes, yes, there was. Secret Service, yeah. yes. Secret Service yeah. agents are not the audience. talk about one other thing the president discussed, and it's Greg's favorite part. He mentioned it in the opening remarks about North Korea. Take a listen to this. The last administration had a policy of silence. Don't, Don't talk. talk! You may make them and him angry! Don't talk! If a horrible statement is made about the United States, don't say anything, we have no comment. Please, please, oh my God. And we have the former administration. As as represented by John Kerry. Not the best negotiator we've ever seen. He never walked away from the table, except to be in that bicycle race where he fell and broke his leg. Learn from that. At 73 years old, you never go into a bicycle race, okay? Just don't. We're saying, this, this is, is going, going to be nuclear war. war. We're going to have it. No. You know what gets you nuclear war? Weakness gets you nuclear war. Being weak gets you nuclear war. One of his strengths, Jason, I think, is that he uses humor to then make a point. His point being that you, um, being strong against your enemies yeah. will bring them to the table, and that's, uh, that, that's actually yeah, how you Yeah, peace through strength. Do you remember when Barack Obama, he, he said he was big into skeet shooting, and they had pictures of him out there, you know, s pretending to shoot skeet? And then he had John Kerry supposedly out, you know, pheasant hunting. Nobody ever bought into that. But Donald Trump, he has this authenticity that connects people, even though well, he's funny, this like, he doesn't, Yeah, and he doesn't pretend to go and do that, right? Yeah, yeah he doesn't fake it. Yeah. 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 No, this was great. I think for him, he felt like he gets back into his element, to his groove. He, right away, you know, this is something coming in the aftermath of the Parkland shootings. He was able to go in front of the NRI, which is taking a lot of criticism lately. There's a lot of people trying to abolish the Second Amendment, get after your guns. He went straight to them, to the crowd, because he then invited people to the White House to have this discussion, too. And I thought that was important to show that he's listening to both sides, people who are concerned about gun safety, gun violence, and then going right to the group that's trying to protect the Second Amendment. So I like it. It's right up, you know, in, in your face and not afraid to answer questions and talk and get to the issues. So I think he's got to do something with Republicans. Because, I mean, you look at what happened in Florida, and you now you're looking at other states, some with Republicans, Kasich in Ohio, but you look at Vermont, you look at Oregon. More and more Republicans are saying, yeah, we buy into the fact that most Americans now overwhelmingly want some reasoned gun control. It's not about taking anybody's guns away. I don't think anybody's talking about it. Well, that. a lot of people are talking about it. No, that. I don't yes, think they, they are. They're I saying they abolish the Second Amendment, no. that this is excessive. There's laws I on the books John right Stevens. now. They just need to be, well, there you go. No, I said, I think uh, former Supreme Court Justice uh, Stevens said something he like that in an op-ed. 
but it's not the kids, it's not the Parkland kids, and it's not most Americans. What you're seeing in terms of the 60-plus percent who want more gun control is better background checks, maybe an age and limit on who buys long guns. But if the Democrats tar- take the House with we'll Nancy Pelosi in charge, and that's exactly what has happened, they will do everything they can to take away guns. And everybody but see, knows But don't that. you think, though, Jason, that would work against them? Just politically, if you're thinking, Nancy Pelosi might want to do that. But as soon as you're done with the midterm election, we're talking about the general election. Correct. And if Nancy Pelosi were to do that, how do you want to make sure that Republicans really turn out in 2020? Nancy Pelosi should try to pass gun control. I yeah. mean, it, it, and that's part of the reason there's frustration that Congress never gets anything done. Could I that's just re- uh, return to that video that we played of him talking about John Kerry? Yeah. If you noticed, he did the panicky man impersonation, which is when he moves his hands like this. It's a lesson for all of us that it's not, a, it's, it's not specific to any particular person. He does that. But that's not the same thing as what yes, you're talking about. Yes, it is. It's you look the exact at, same thing? Pretty much. Pretty close. Uh, okay. I didn't plan on talking about that. All right. Uh, before taking off for Dallas, the president spoke to reporters directly about whether he'll agree to a sit-down with Robert Mueller. His answer next. And a little bit of chicken fried. Cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right. And the radio Save $10 by upgrading to the commercial-free version of this podcast with the coupon code SAVE10. That's SAVE10. Go to foxnewspodcast.com and subscribe today. Sunday, get ready for the next revolution. I promise you, we are going to shake things up. Steve Hilton's been on the front lines of Brexit and a champion of the populist movement. Now, he's bringing his powerful message straight to you. People are sick and tired of the fact that whoever they vote for, nothing gets done. See why voters are finally fed up and how you can join the movement. This is a time of revolution, and we want to show you what's next. The Next Revolution with Steve Hilton, every Sunday, only on the Fox News Channel. Thanks for downloading the ad-supported The Five podcast. Upgrade to get the commercial-free version, archives, and immediate access to the show. Save $10 off the yearly price with the code SAVE10. That's SAVE10. Go to foxnewspodcast.com to upgrade now. Another new twist in the Stormy Daniels saga. President Trump weighing in on remarks made by his attorney, Rudy Giuliani. So Rudy knows it's a witch hunt. He started yesterday. Uh, He'll get his facts straight. He's a great guy. But what he does is he feels it's a very bad thing for our country, and he happens to be right. (laughs) Giuliani releasing a statement today clarifying his comments. He says his references to the timing of the payment to Daniels do not represent the president's knowledge, but instead his own understanding of the matter. President Trump also indicating that he may be willing to sit down with special counsel Robert Mueller. I would love to speak. I would love to go. Nothing I want to do more because we did nothing wrong. I have to find that we're going to be treated fairly because everybody sees it now and it is a pure witch hunt. If I thought it was fair, I would override my lawyers. And a win for the Trump team. A federal judge rebuked Mueller's team today during a hearing for ex-campaign chair Paul Manafort, suggesting they overstepped authority by charging Manafort with bank fraud crimes unrelated 
to the election interference matter. Congressman, I know you are uh, very up on this and interested to talk about. Yes, yeah. because this scope memo, two weeks from now, it'll be the most said word and phrase in, in, uh, across the country, scope memo. He's challenging the authenticity of the, what uh, the special prosecutor is doing. He's challenging him to provide this memo. It's a memo that Congress has been asking for and has been denied. They've right. been given the stiff arm from Congress. But now you have a federal judge who gave him a two-week timeline, and they really pushed back. Mueller's team really pushed back and said, well, you know, you can't look at this or that. And the judge rightfully said, I'll be the judge of that. Exactly. So they've got two weeks. They're on the clock and they need to provide that document. Yeah, Dana, this is a big win for the Trump team in terms of they wanted to be able to find out, understand the scope of it. So now the SEAL dossier uh, lingo is replaced by the scope memo. Well, I think it's a good day for the Trump team. I don't know if it's a good win because there was nothing decided today. It was the judge saying to the government lawyers, basically brushing them back and saying, you're going to have to do better than this. But then um, apparently this judge has been known to be toughest on the lawyers for whom he then ultimately rules for. So who know? I don't know what's going to happen and what the judge will decide. It was a very good day for the Trump team in this regard, but or for Manafort's team, I guess. I mean, I actually don't know why you defend Manafort. It, like why you want to be a part of it. Like you think this guy wasn't like basically the swamp. He was absolutely the swamp. But this but it's because but it's because they're using the the idea of Russia in the election to go back for no, decades that, that, and surf but in they, who knows but, where. This, we kind of know what the scope memo says, and that and that is part. Of, this is certainly controversial, but it said matters to Russia and other things that arise, and other things that arise that they happen to find all of this stuff with Manafort, and that's what the indictment. That's why the grand jury returned the indictment. But it was such a, a wide net, Greg, in terms of what they were trying to do. That's why there's distrust by the American public to say, what really was the purpose and intention here of doing this? And if you don't have anything to hide and there isn't anything nefarious and you're not on a witch hunter trying to unseat an American president and undo an election result, why won't you show us what's in the scope? Message? It's like uh, it's like black mold after your basement floods. It's that's what this investigation is becoming. It's just spreading and spreading. And those questions. I know were drafted by the tr some tr Trump lawyer, but they were consulting with Mueller's team. And they were all about feelings and thoughts. What did you think and how did you feel? It was like, uh, it was, like I said, like a, more like a Match.com application. And it was about to pick his brain. And I think we've gotten to the point where it's almost like a parody. Mm -hmm. And we just should just stop it and just realize that there's so many good things going on in this world that this is actually basically like a playpen for people who are still mad that he won. My goodness, my goodness. All right, Juan, so look at Juan's face. Like Juan, I, I, I'm always amazed. But I, so as I understand what happened in court today, it was very interesting. I don't, definitely don't think it was a win because I think nothing was decided. But I do think this, that it was an opportunity for people who feel like, hey, you know, this is like, the federal government run amok going after some president that maybe they don't like. And so what the judge says is, we, the American people, don't like unfettered power, no matter who it is. And then the, uh, you know, you get Mueller's team then responding, hey, we're not exercising unfettered power. We are part of the Justice Department. And Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, is always with us in terms of ongoing negotiations with regard to the scope of what we do. The counter from Manafort's people is, hey, wait a second. When it came to Michael Cohen, you sent that case back 
to whatever the district here is in Manhattan. But with Manafort, you have kept it uh, because originally the charges were going to be filed in the Eastern District for Virginia. But you've kept it because you're trying to get leverage over Manafort so that he, I think he said, sings like a bird or something. What did you say, sing? So, yeah, to go after Trump. To go after, right. Mm -hmm. So he says, well, you know, so I want to know more about the scope. And then there was this wonderful moment when he said, when they, the, 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 the Mueller team was saying, hey, we don't want to show you this scope document because it involves ongoing criminal investigations, international in some cases, and he does the old NFL thing, which is, come on, man, you better show me that thing. So we'll see where it goes. All right. Did you follow all that? No. Okay. That was boring. We just oh. want to keep the thought police out of your head, oh Greg. God. All right, the confrontation between the Trump administration and the media, it intensifies wow. ahead, and Greg gets punished during the break. <laughs> <laughs> Save $10 by upgrading to the commercial-free version of this podcast with the coupon code SAVE10. That's SAVE10. Go to foxnewspodcast.com and subscribe today. In-depth, insightful, intelligent. Get it all. Tune in at 10 a.m. Eastern to Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo on Fox News Channel. Every Sunday, Maria's sitting down with the biggest players in Washington and Wall Street, asking the tough questions and bringing a new perspective on the nation's most pressing issues. Every Sunday, tune in 10 a.m. Eastern to Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo on Fox News Channel. Don't miss it. Thanks for downloading the ad-supported The Five Podcast. Upgrade to get the commercial-free version, archives, and immediate access to the show. Save $10 off the yearly price with the code SAVE10. That's SAVE10. Go to foxnewspodcast.com to upgrade now. Come. Hey there. President Trump continuing to attack the media while specifically focusing on NBC News. They had to correct a report about Michael Cohen being wiretapped earlier this week. Virtually everything said has been said incorrectly and it's been said wrong or it's been covered wrong by the press. Just like NBC and ABC yesterday covered the story wrong. So, uh, but you'll be finding out. It's very, it's actually, wait a minute. It's actually very simple. It's actually very simple. But there has been a lot of misinformation really people wanting to say and i say you know what learn before you speak it's a lot easier the president also going after nbc news on twitter he claims the outlet sources quote hmm, probably don't exist meanwhile white house correspondent april ryan she's raising some eyebrows over a comment regarding her exchange with sarah sanders Blindsided. You said yourself you were blindsided. I actually didn't use that term. Well, I said it, but you were blindsided from what you said. Well, for uh, with all due respect, you actually don't know much about me in terms of what I feel and what I don't. I think we're good. Molly, go ahead. She was blindsided. This was not a personal attack on her. And for her to say something like, you don't know me, that was very um, street. I know there's street politics here, but that was very street. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, Dana, what do you make of this? Of which part? I mean. Well, let's start with NBC and <laughs> okay. the president. So, the NBC News broke yesterday during the daily briefing. And so, on that show, uh, we quoted and cited NBC News with this as being the one that had broke that story. Uh, no other news outlet was able to match it. And ABC said they matched. Well, well, but they match something. They don't match the exact wiretapping and a pen 
uh, like and, and looking at who's calling in and who's calling out is different from listening in. It's very, very different. Correct. And I think it's inexcusable and, un and it was certainly unnecessary to go forward with that story if they weren't absolutely locked down. And it's embarrassing and it's, com it's just completely unnecessary. It's bad for journalism. Mm -hmm. It was bad for the Trump administration for about two hours until it turns into their favor showing, look, once again, you guys get it wrong. Mm. But there was a FBI investigation. We know that the FBI was listening or was looking into Michael Cohen because we know about the raid. And Michael Cohen says himself, they were very professional when they came in and dealt with me, but they were looking at the outside of the envelope. This goes back to the whole thing that we talked about for years about surveillance. It really isn't surveillance if you're just looking at who's calling in and who's calling out. Um, on the other thing, it, this is a little strange to have watched the briefing yesterday. I, on, I was on air twice uh, in the afternoon on my show, Shepard's show, and then on this show, I guess that's three times, defending Sarah Sanders. What she said yesterday is she... She was surprised by the Hannity interview, what Giuliani said. She said to the reporters, look, I give you the best information that I have at the time. Right. That's, what, that's what April Ryan is referring to. I do think that Sarah Sanders then today is almost vindicated again because it's actually the White House who is having Rudy Giuliani reissue a statement to say, oh, actually, I had that wrong the day before. So there's just a ton of unnecessary, too quick information going out there that's not solid. And everybody just wait, like, wait for a second before they put it out there. Mm -hmm. Congressman, uh, you know, what's interesting, I think, here is in it, the initial report from NBC seemed to raise the likelihood that Cohen's degree of legal jeopardy was really heightened, that they had him talking, including potentially talking to someone at the White House. Now what we understand is it wasn't that it's probable cause that he committed a crime, which is, would have been the justification for such a warrant, but simply that there's something going on in an ongoing investigation and it's relevant and therefore the judge grants the warrant. Do you see that Michael Cohen is in fact in greater legal jeopardy now under the new understanding of what this report is, this pen registry? Uh, I, I think the media totally undercut himself. I think Sarah Sanders uh, is, is wonderful and yeah. I think she did the right thing. Uh, but uh, Cohen's problems are much deeper. If the FBI had the authorization to go get a pen register, and I've argued this for years in Congress, they also then probably got the authorization to track geolocation. Oh, they yeah. argue, the, the government will argue that if you're just, you know, it's not just a phone call between this number and Kimberly's number, they are then also <laughs> tracking. I, I didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> no, nothing. I they are also language. going to track your geolocation. And, and my argument was, I think this is unnecessary. It, it goes too far because if I can tell you, Juan, exactly where you've been every single point of the day, then I know the content of your life. Yeah. It is not just the metadata. It is the actual content of your life. And if they have been tracking not just who he's calling, but where he's going, that's a whole different thing. So, Kimberly, what is so interesting was that uh, April Ryan said that Sanders got street with her by saying, you don't know what I'm thinking, you don't know how I feel. Sarah Sanders said she was misquoted. I mean, come on, right? I mean, it's enough already. Sarah it's Sanders, enough already. it's enough already for me. I've had enough. Uh, she's very professional. I think she handles herself very well, as been stated by my colleagues here, based on the information she had at the time. There's no need to try to like, come out at her. I'm sure she's had enough, too you know, in terms of what she had endure at the uh, White House Press Correspondence Center, and now they're saying she's straight. I'm like, all right, let's pump the brakes here for a moment. Let's all just be professional. Let's do the best job we can, including NBC, that needed to get it right. That is actually a, a big misstep in terms of, uh, you know, journals. No offense, but do you see us have to do that and take it back at the Vox News Channel? No. No, we, no. you have to be careful with information like that. Sarah then addressed it. 
and she made sure that she got it out to them. She's been available. She's been transparent. She's answered their questions, and that, and that's it. And as far as Michael Cohen, just go to the Upper East Side. So, Greg, can, <laughs> can, can they have a kumbaya moment at the White House between April and Sarah? You know, I think th it's interesting <laughs> because uh, for, I said this before. For Donald Trump, everything's a conversation. For the media, everything's a deposition. Right. So they have to part. If you sneeze, they want to know what your sneeze meant. And so now what we're seeing and we saw this in this segment and uh, in other segments, we are we are doing segments about tiffs and arguments and oral conflicts and stuff. But not we're not talking about deeds. And this is driving me nuts, because if you look at today's news cycle or you look at this year's news cycle and compare it, it's dramatically better than the news cycle before Trump was in office. We're not talking about ISIS. We're not looking at ISIS videos. We're not worried about a nuclear threat from North Korea. We're watching job numbers just, you know, you know 3.9%, breaking 4%. So you have to ask yourself the question, we can sit here and talk about these dumb little fights. I'd rather talk about that, that That's good news right. for all of us. I, and it, it, I go to, back to this choice. Who would you rather have, a wholesome incompetent to lead the country or a cad who brings world peace? I don't know. I do. I'll take a cab. I think we have a cab, but I don't know about world peace. <laughs> Remember all that violence at Berkeley last year when a conservative speaker came to campus? My goodness, you won't believe who the school is now blaming for that. That's next on The Five. Save $10 by upgrading to the commercial-free version of this podcast with the coupon code SAVE10. That's SAVE10. Go to foxnewspodcast.com and subscribe today. Fox & Friends prides itself on being America's first stop in the morning. First stop on the day's real issues. Real issues that matter to you and all Americans. I'm Ainsley Earhart. Steve Ducey. Brian Kilmeade. And I know every one of us works to get people real perspective on the news. To have a real conversation. To be the show and voices America trusts. That's why One Network owns the mornings. Fox & Friends, weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, only on Fox News Channel. Thanks for downloading the ad-supported The Five podcast. Upgrade to get the commercial-free version, archives, and immediate access to the show. Save $10 off the yearly price with the code SAVE10. That's SAVE10. Go to foxnewspodcast.com to upgrade now. The who? I'm impressed. It's all... <laughs> It's all the conservatives' fault. That's the stunning determination by a panel at UC Berkeley about those violent riots last year when conservative speakers came to campus. In a new report, the panel says, and I quote, although those speakers had every right to speak and were in entitled to protection, they did not need to be on campus to exercise the right of free speech. Some of the 2017 uh, events at Berkeley can now be seen to be part of a coordinated campaign to organize appearances on American campuses likely to incite a violent reaction in order to advance a facile narrative that universities are not tolerant of conservative speech, and they're proving the point with this report. You don't need to be on campus to exercise your free speech. Conservatives, stay away. Don't be part of it. Greg, are we raising a whole new generation of snowflakes. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't say that word. But you know what? I, um, <laughs> this is where he went to school. Yeah, but you know what? It is sad. This is the home of free speech that's now the home of intolerance. And I go back to the point that we said yesterday, which is it's not just about speech. What did you notice about that, that whole long comment? How humorless it was. Mm. And the fact is, 
what you're seeing is the death of humor, not just, de not just the death of thought or the death of speech, but the death of humor. And if you can't have fun with somebody, then you can't actually communicate with somebody. And that's on, then you're on the road to no communication, separate groups, and then war. Juan, what do you think? Do you That's what happens. <laughs> well, so I was reading the report, and what they said was that they feel, especially in the aftermath of the 16 election, that you get people, and I think they cited Milo Yiannopoulos and yeah. Ann Coulter and some others, who they see as saying intentionally provocative right-wing statements that then prompt people to protest and all that. They said, for example, Ben Shapiro, the conservative commentator, had come in 16, no problem. He's very conservative. But when he came in 17, then they had to have the security and there were nine arrests or something like that. So they say there's something that has changed on the right. But I don't think the right wants to take any responsibility. They just see this as a free speech argument. But I think that when you get to dealing with people like like Milo Yiannopoulos, I think you understand he says some pretty awful things. So, well, what, what do you think, Kimberly? I, you know, I mean, I think what are universities teaching today, but uh, oppression of free speech, conformity, and uh, groupthink. So they can try and demonize the, you know, conservatives or people that come there to speak. They should be interested and listen. That's the whole point of having an education is to hear different arguments, learn, grow, you know, stretch your mind so you're not somebody who is just like myopic in terms of your viewpoints. And they want to blame it on conservatives? <laughs> This makes me sick. No, I'll tell you why. Because it, they, what about personal responsibility? Is somebody making the um, Antifa pick up stuff and stab horses and throw, um, you know, bottles, light on fire into police cars and disrespect personal property and businesses that people have worked very hard to make? No. Take ownership of the situation and don't behave like that and show respect so, for other people. So, Dana, do you... Can you exercise your free speech by not showing up? That's what they argue. Well, I mean, I, I, think, well, that's, I think that's what they want, right? Yeah, so, right. like, just don't cause us any hassle. We don't want to have to pay for security if somebody says something that might hurt our, the feelings of a, of a student. It would be, I think that college seems like it would be quite a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> but there's like a double fun back in the day. There's a double standard here. Of course, there are uh, right wing people who say awful things, but they didn't build bombs. Bill Ayers is a professor. They made a guy a bomb maker. Well, who tried to kill people yep. into a professor, okay? Well, that that's was, not speech, that's that, that, deed. That, that wasn't my fault. No, I blame <laughs> you, Jason. You looked at me the whole he time. Was, I'm mad at you, Jason. He's giving you the side, like, fish eye. To yeah, I'm not, I'm not used you, to yeah. that. Stay tuned. <laughs> Fan Mail Friday is oh, coming yes. up next. I'm excited. Save $10 by upgrading to the commercial-free version of this podcast with the coupon code SAVE10. That's SAVE10. Go to foxnewspodcast.com and subscribe today. In-depth, insightful, intelligent. Get it all. Tune in at 10 a.m. Eastern to Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo on Fox News Channel. Every Sunday, Maria is sitting down with the biggest players in Washington and Wall Street, asking the tough questions and bringing a new perspective on the nation's most pressing issues. Every Sunday, tune in 10 a.m. Eastern to Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo on Fox News Channel. Don't miss it. Thanks for downloading the ad-supported The Five Podcast. Upgrade to get the commercial-free version, archives, and immediate access to the show. Save $10 off the yearly price with the code SAVE10. That's SAVE10. Go to foxnewspodcast.com to upgrade now. Been like that.
Yeah. That's nice. not the who. Yeah. You know it. That's the what. The who are an overrated monkeys. <laughs> Fan Mail Friday, we have your questions. Let's begin. This is a great question. This is from uh, David Dawkins. Uh, who was your biggest childhood TV crush? So you're a kid. Juan, what was your TV crush? You know, I, I was having trouble with this. I think, I can't remember the actress's name. I Dream of Jeannie. I thought she Barbara was, Eden. But the thing is, I always yes. saw her as an adult. It wasn't a crush. It was just like, that's a fascinating person. It was. She had a great outfit. But in general, I think most of my crushes come from movies, you know? Mm. And I really like strong women like Angela Bassett, or I was just going back and forth with you because I can't remember all the names, but people like uh, Sigourney Weaver and mm. Aliens or Linda You were an Hamilton. adult back then, though. Yes, that's important. <laughs> that's when it was a crush, man. <laughs> Kimberly, childhood TV crush. Uh, Don't say me, because I was... Oh, you mean like from the Brady Bunch? Because yes. you look like one of them? Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I would say, but it was television, right? Like Sean Cassidy? That's, how, that's what I wrote. Dan. We always picked the same. Was he on TV? I know. Yes, he was. He was a Hardy he was Boy. A Hardy Boy. Do you want to say Hardy Boy? Can you name the other Hardy Boy? Yeah. Do Parker one. Stevenson. That's, That's right. true. Right. Once married to Kirstie Alley. If you'd like to hear more senseless trivia, call me. <laughs> what about you? So you're going to say? I was going to say Sean Cassidy, but then I added Alex P. Keaton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Wait. J. Fox. Who? Oh, Michael J. Fox. Oh, okay. Jason? I, I did kind of dig Marsha Brady. Yeah, who didn't? I, uh, but then I matured and liked Farrah Fawcett, of course, so. Yes. I had the poster. Yes. Of course you did. As did Millie. I just. I had, surprisingly, Mrs. Howell. <laughs> she's a very classy lady. And she always, you know, you're on a deserted island, and she's able to dress so, you know, she had everything. She had, she was just well put together for an older woman. Remember when we did the Gilligan's Island thing? Yes. We won't do that here. <laughs> oh, this is a better question, if you could believe a better question than that, from Alex G. Go ahead. If you had to exist... In a reality, based off a movie or a TV show, which would you choose? I kind of know what Dana's going to say, but uh, Nashville. Oh, there you go. That's a good show. Well, I mean, it was. Well, you could live not there. A good show anymore? You could live in that show. I could live there, and I could live in that city. I could live in that show. Mm. I think I'd do PR for the record label because they need some help. What was I going to say? I was going to say Little House on the Prairie. Choice. I was going to say, no, I was going to say. Oh, you can be thought, with Melissa Francis. I thought Dana was going to say Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> no, I like running water, actually. <laughs> uh, Jason? I, I was, I mean, right off the top of my head, was we lost. I uh, love that show, Lost. Oh, and ABC? Fighting Every Day? That was yeah. cool. That, that was really That's a great show. That's not a happy existence. No, but Greg, No, but I like that. I would like to fight. It'd be fun. Yeah, you used to like that show. Very strange man over Remember there. Remember we used to talk he about ran for that? Congress. Yes, yes he did. Now he's running from Anna. Congress, ladies and gentlemen. Kimberly, what's your choice? Uh, movie, La Femme Nikita. Ooh. Well, no, you're saying that you want to be that character. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're talking about the environment, Juan. No, what kind of environment I'm would you want to live in that if you saw in a TV show? It's, really, it's a very I, interesting that question. That is the environment I want to live in. Would, I'm uh, living it now. Is that a German? I can't remember. Is that German? Do you think? Do you think we're all in the Truman Show? Yes. I think that we just live on. This TV. is simulation. We are just characters. So you think we're just trapped in here? Well, sometimes situation? I think. I think I'm Huckleberry Hound. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to live in the world of Ren and Stimpy. Wouldn't that be awesome? No, SpongeBob SquarePants and live underwater and not have to worry about breathing. All right. <laughs> Oh, this is, this is funny. Do any of you get so frustrated about a topic 
you just want to walk out of the studio. Oh, that's you every day. <laughs> All <laughs> the time. Oh, my God. Like Greg today. No, come on. I'm just, someone's got to be the viewer okay. here. Do you know, no, yeah, somebody has to be the viewer. My point is this. I used to watch the McLaughlin group, and I would just be get to the part where you guys are talking about real stuff. Right. So, so I'm like your, that on the five. So what was your objection today? I thought that we focused too much. Why is it about me? Because we were focused too much on, little, on, on words and deeds. Uh, yep. Words, not deeds. That was driving me crazy. Oh. Little things. Greg's a frustrated producer. I think so. <laughs> right? You, wanna, you really want to be a producer. They're saying no more questions. Tease is next. They're frustrated at your producing. One that, more thing is up next. That's a wrap. <laughs> Save $10 by upgrading to the commercial-free version of this podcast with the coupon code SAVE10. That's SAVE10. Go to foxnewspodcast.com and subscribe today. Fox & Friends prides itself on being America's first stop in the morning. First stop on the day's real issues. Real issues that matter to you and all Americans. I'm Ainsley Earhart. Steve Ducey. Brian Kilmeade. And I know every one of us works to get people real perspective on the news. To have a real conversation. To be the show and voices America trusts. That's why One Network owns the mornings. Fox & Friends, weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, only on Fox News Channel. Thanks for downloading the ad-supported The Five podcast. Upgrade to get the commercial-free version, archives, and immediate access to the show. Save $10 off the yearly price with the code SAVE10. That's SAVE10. Go to foxnewspodcast.com to upgrade now. It's time now for one more thing. Greg. All right, Saturday, that's uh, tomorrow, 10 p.m., the Greg Gutfeld Show. We have Sebastian Gorka, Sebastian Gorka, Terry Shopper, Captain, and Tyrus. That's how he talks, by the way. And I haven't done one of these in a while. I hate these people. Boy, I'm in a mood. You know, in the physical, in the physical world, we have stuff called litter. You know, you know what litter is? Right. In the social, wor in the network, social network world, that's... GIFs or GIFs. I don't care what you call it. You can argue all you want. But video <laughs> memes of celebrities shrugging or dancing rather than responding, sending these GIFs or GIFs. They're, li they're, the, they're the internet litter. <laughs> they're internet garbage. Ooh, they're dumb. Yeah, they're thoughtless. Yeah. And they're careless and lazy. And they're messy. So I anticipate you will be sending me a lot today. Who said that? Now I know why your next 48 hours is Somebody sent it to him. He should I like them. I like some of them. I can't stand them. They're litter. They're actually litter on the internet. Look, look, the Garbage. entire Twitter. It's like throwing things all away. All of Twitter is... I think because he's all hung over today. He's a little cranky pants. Yeah. But Go ahead. Pants. All right, KG, you're next. Mine is actually quite good and not uh, disruptive or negative like Greg's. Okay, nine-year-old cheerleader Michaela Lang got the shock of her life right before she took off for a national cheerleading competition because her father, is Sergeant First Class Robert Lang, is stationed halfway across the world serving in the National Guard. So when the father of her teammates performed a really cool, funny, like hilarious cheer routine, her dad was unable to join them, right, physically in person. However, where there is a will, there is God's way because shortly after the dad's finished the 
their routine, guess what? Her father appeared on screen with a routine of his own with his military unit in the Middle East. So she couldn't even believe her eyes and through her tears said it probably took him a month to learn it. Oh, God. Good That's for you. So God bless awesome. her father for his service. Very awesome. Sweet. Absolutely. All right. Great. This is something that will not be a problem for Greg or for me, but it could be a problem for the rest of you. Uh-oh. If, as if airplane seats weren't small enough, JetBlue has just announced they're going to decrease leg room. That's right. To make room for new seats with bigger TV screens, they'll take away two inches of crucial leg room for the coach class. JetBlue previously led other airlines with their leg space at 34 inches, but now they're sacrificing for the TV screen. That's terrible. Mm. What do you think of that? I'm 6'2". That hurt. That's painful. <laughs> well, you'll be six foot oh. before you know it. All right, Juan. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, you guys remember the movie Hidden Figures. It featured three mathematicians, black women, who helped NASA put John Glenn into orbit 1963. Well, three high school girls in D.C. look like they're following in those footsteps. They're among eight finalists for NASA's prestigious high school science competition. The girls, all 17 and juniors, use NASA technology to purify water coming from school water fountains with possible lead contamination. Huh. The winners will be announced this month. Top prize, $4,000 stipend and a trip to NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. Good luck. All right, Jason. That was pretty cool. Spanish Fork, Utah, which is pretty close to my home. Christopher Rudd was appearing before a judge. Now, when you appear before the judge, he's actually sitting in some handcuffs there. And if we should show some video, it's really going to help what I have to share. Because he decides to get up and leave. He goes out the door. The Utah County Sheriff starts to go after him. And this idiot goes over the top. He purposely jumps over. The sheriff deputy actually tries to catch him. That's he so breaks nice. his pelvis, he breaks his leg, he breaks oh, his skull uh, in doing it, Ow. and he has actually earned the idiot of the moment for getting up, running, and purposely jumping Whoa. off the second floor. Don't do that, Pete. And thanks to those sheriff deputies, they didn't have to go to try to... He broke his pelvis? His pelvis. Uh, you don't want to pelvis leg really don't want to break a pelvis. Of all the bones, breaking a pelvis ain't the one you want. Why do you say that? I had a friend. Oh. <laughs> hey, we have time <laughs> for next... For extra Facebook. Maureen B. asks, what would you be doing right now if you weren't on the five? I know what you'd be doing. What? Crushing Pinot Noir. Well, that's probably true. Yeah. How about you? You'd be doing it with me. <laughs> wow. Okay, Fantasy Island. <laughs> I don't if I were on the five right now, yes. I'd be on my way to meet Peter so we could have a weekend. There you the dog. Yeah, oh, Jason. that's sweet. I, I can't wait for it to be 6 o'clock because I'm dashing to the airport so I get home and then so go that's golfing. In, yeah. How's golfing. your leg room on that plane? What is it? Exactly. Delta's pretty good. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, know, you know, the weather's great. Yeah. So I'd be outside because right now it's like, I think spring, was, it's beyond. It's like we didn't have spring. It's like no, we just, went to summer. So. Yeah, yeah. We jumped ahead. Mine would probably be oh, you know what cheese I snack. What? Oh, what I did sorry. this morning, I spent an hour cleaning out my closet. Uh, and it was, I was good. To, if you need me to come over and get rid of stuff, Otherwise known as a matchbox. You gotta come up to my office, Dan. I gotta do spring cleaning. I'm very good at throwing things away she if you want to bring she me She has over. no clutter and she like no clutter I have dresses. no emotional attachment that might explain a lot <laughs> <laughs> there's a therapist all right waiting in the hallway have a great weekend everyone special report is up next John Roberts is in for Brett John you and I are seeing a little bit too much of each other yeah well we'll get people talking but that's okay thanks Dana <laughs>